You are about to enjoy a presentation recorded at the 2022 Michigan Conference Camp Meeting held at Cedar Lake, Michigan. We pray that the Lord will bless you as you listen. Father in heaven, I want to thank you that we can meet together to consider this all-important subject, this subject that was the one that Christ spoke about most towards the end of his life, and that is the gift of the Holy Spirit. And we need that spirit to help us in our class today. I've been chosen, but if it's just Dan trying, it will fail. This effort will fail. I'm asking that you take control of my mind and my mouth, that I would not be disrespectful in any way, and that, Father, that which is shared is truth. So send the Holy Spirit for myself and for all of my friends here as well. Thank you, in Jesus' name, amen. Everyone has the, the purple booklet? Yes. Welcome, welcome. There's, be sure to get a, 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 a booklet right there. That will help you a great deal. Excuse me? Oh, and the white one is just a, a directory to some of the free study guides, and that's only a portion of them. There's, I think, 32 of them in total. Right on the front cover, John 14, 16, and 17, And I will pray the Father, and he shall give you another comforter. It's right on the cover of the, of the purple booklet. Why does it say another comforter? Jesus was the first comforter, right? After he left, it would be another comforter. That he may abide with you forever, even the Spirit of truth. Who's being referred to? The Spirit of truth. The Holy Spirit, unequivocally the Holy Spirit. We're going to learn in this lesson about how there are what I re refer to as the synonyms of the Holy Spirit. In other words, he's sometimes referred to as the Holy Spirit, sometimes he's referred to as the Holy Ghost, sometimes he's referred to as the Spirit of Truth, but it's the same person, okay? And uh, we'll show confirmation of that by showing that in some of the paragraphs of Ellen White, she uses those words interchangeably, so we don't have to speculate on that that he may abide with you forever, even the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive, because it seeth him not, neither knoweth him, but ye know him, for he dwelleth with you and shall be in you. To the disciples that were listening to that on that particular day, what impression do you think they gained from what Jesus was saying? What was their expectation? Did they think that there would be this, this special gift? Absolutely. Um, he had been a comforter. And there's a continual reference to him as knowing him, that ye know him, for he dwelleth. There was a sense of person throughout those words. Now look at the next paragraph, a key paragraph. The comforter that Christ promised to send after he ascended to heaven is the Spirit in all the what? Fullness of the Godhead, making manifest the power of divine grace to all who receive and believe in Christ as a personal Savior. There are three living persons of the heavenly trio. 
in the name of these three great powers, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, those who receive Christ by living faith are baptized, and these powers will cooperate with the obedient subjects of heaven in their efforts to live the new life in Christ. So it says there are three what? Three living persons. That's unequivocal, right? Very, very clear. Living persons of the heavenly trio. And this idea of this heavenly trio, we're going to see later in, in, in our class, is constantly repeated with other descriptors. The heavenly dignitaries, the three great instrumentalities, the highest powers, the many, many words are used to describe these three. I like that word, living. Yeah, living persons. I, I never heard that before. Yeah, living persons. Yeah, it's very clear. It's very clear. Um, and and it, it, it is the Spirit in all the fullness of the Godhead. There was nothing lacking in the fullness of the Spirit that would be, would be sent. Um, yeah. So we're going to be looking at some of these things, and we're going to be seeing more of what she said on that subject. But that statement there is a wonderful statement. And something that I would like to point out to you that I don't think is really understood, Ellen White says, at every baptism, all three members of the Godhead attend. It's, it's an amazing. She makes statements about the presence of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And they make a pledge when you are baptized to help you. Brother, there you are. They make a pledge to help in our spiritual walk with Jesus. And, and I believe that knowing that makes baptism even more special than it would be otherwise. That it's actually a time where, 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 where the Godhead is present, saying, you've made a pledge, now we will make a pledge back to you. And, and some of those quotes will be in uh, this little guide that we're following. So uh, let's, let's look a little bit at the outline. I like to talk about the lines of evidence. It's the first white page. The lines of evidence, the first one's not listed. The Holy Spirit is listed clearly as one of the three persons of the Godhead in Matthew 28. That's the text on the screen. Then we will look at the frequent mentions of the Holy Spirit in the Old and the New Testament. It is throughout the Old Testament, and it's also throughout the New Testament. Then we're going to look at the presence and the activity of the Holy Spirit in the life of Christ. Then we will look at Christ's teachings regarding the Holy Spirit as a distinct and independent person. Then we'll look at his abundant promises regarding the Holy Spirit. We'll look at his assertions regarding the Holy Spirit as his successor and representative. We will look at what he said about the Holy Spirit taking his place as another comforter. And I won't go through all of these. Uh, but then we'll look at, at the promises he made and how those were fulfilled on the day of Pentecost and how the Holy Spirit became very busy and very active in the early church, directing missionaries, you know, leading in, in the calling of people, giving specific direction. Uh, and then at the end, and, and they're really appendices because there's a, a bit of repetition, I have one section where I look at actions that only a person could do and then actions that only a God could do that we find revealed in, in, the, uh, in the mentions of the Holy Spirit. So that's where we're going to go today, and I believe by the end, 
it would be very, very convincing. At least it sure was to me. So turn, if you would, to line number one. We have some brief introductory facts regarding the Holy Spirit. Line one, and for those of you that are new, there's a line number on the left-hand side so you know exactly where we're at. The Holy Spirit is frequently mentioned throughout the scriptures. There are 88 references to the Holy Spirit in the Old Testament and 325 references to the Holy Spirit in the New Testament. Okay? Someone went to the trouble. Others have gone to the trouble to, to count those. I didn't. There's a footnote at the bottom. But that's a lot of mentions of the Holy Spirit, right? 88 and 325. And as I mentioned, the Holy Spirit is, is listed as one of three people in the Godhead. Um, line 7, Christ promises on the Holy Spirit. You know that. I don't need to read the text. His promise was fulfilled in a marvelous way on the day of Pentecost. It didn't say a few were filled. It said they were all filled, right? And that's what we should be seeking for. And uh, I think God is, I read, He's more willing to give the Holy Spirit than we are to receive the Holy Spirit. So we should be working towards that. After the day of Pentecost, the Holy Spirit was recognized as God by the early believers. Let's read uh, at line 19. But Peter said, Ananias, why hath Satan filled thine heart to lie to the Holy Ghost and to keep back part of the price of the land? Whilst it remain, was it not thine own? And after it was sold, was it not in thine own power? Why hast thou conceived this thing in thine heart? Thou hast not lied unto men, but unto whom? But to God. So the Holy Spirit there is, 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 is described you know, is, 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 we're told, is God in that text. Uh, and then, um, the Holy Spirit, line 24, was known and referred to as a distinct person. And I give an example where Peter was said, the Spirit said to him, Behold, three men seek thee, arise therefore and get thee down. That there was this very active, you know, role of the Holy Spirit. Um, and then, this is kind of a, a blanket statement about the work of the Holy Spirit. It's the Holy Spirit, line 34, uh, that it makes effectual the work of Christ. And so it says in verse 26, And it was revealed unto him by the Holy Ghost that he should not see death before he should see the Lord's Christ. In other words, the Holy Spirit plays this instructive teaching role. Um, and finally, uh, Acts 2.17, And it shall come to pass in the last days, saith God, that I will pour out my Spirit upon all flesh. Two footnotes. Look at footnote number two. The Spirit was given to be a regenerating agent. And without this, the sacrifice of Christ would have been of no avail. We are dependent, completely dependent upon the Holy Spirit. The power of evil had been strengthening for centuries, and the submission of men to this satanic captivity was amazing. Sin could be resisted and overcome only through the mighty agency of the what? Third person of the Godhead, who had come with no modified energy, but in the fullness of divine power. It is the Spirit that makes effectual what has been wrought out by the world's Redeemer. And then it goes on. That's from Desire of Ages, page 671, paragraph 2. Notice footnote number 3. The dispensation in which we are now living is to be to those that ask the dispensation of the Holy Spirit. So she says we live in the dispensation or the era of the Holy Spirit. Now let's move on to some of the attributes of the Holy Spirit. 
First of all, the Holy Spirit is eternal. How much more shall the blood of Christ, who through the eternal Spirit offered himself without spot to God? I spend time to make sure that there was an agreement with what I was talking about. Romans 16.26 uses the same word, uh, but this is the King James, so it's a slightly different word, but in, your, in the New King James it would be different. But now is made manifest and by the scriptures of the prophets according to the commandments of the everlasting, or in the New King James, the eternal God. So when it uses the term eternal uh, regarding the Spirit, it's the same as the one used in Romans 16. 26. And then some more, the Holy Spirit is unchanging. The Holy Spirit has only one rule, to teach what, the, what, what God and Christ teach. And so the Holy Spirit is not on its own mission to change anything. Line 56, the Holy Spirit is present in all places at all times. Psalms 139, where can I go from your spirit or where can I flee from your presence? If I ascend into heaven, you are there. If I make my bed in hell, behold, you are there, etc. And then line 64, the Holy Spirit is all-powerful. And the example I give is bringing about the conception of Jesus in Mary or the day of Pentecost, line 72. You shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost is come upon you. The Holy Spirit is also all-knowing. When we pray, the Holy Spirit makes intercession for us so that we pray according to the will of God. And in line 86, it says, For the Spirit searcheth all things, yea, the deep things of God. Okay? And, and this is an interesting point. The Holy Spirit is equal with God. Uh, if you look at 2 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 14, I, I didn't put this on the screen. Do you folks have a favorite Bible app that you enjoy using? What? Yes, Blue Letter Bible. Blue Letter Bible. Yeah, I was going to say, how many of you know about the Blue Letter Bible? You know, I want to share that with you because some people spend a small fortune on Bible software. The Blue Letter Bible is absolutely free. It works fast and gives you all kinds of information. It's not done by Adventists, but uh, you have a strong concordance. You have... My favorite one is Go Bible. The what? The Go Bible. I don't know what that was. Okay, that's good too. Does it have Strong's and all the interlinear stuff? No, see, this is truly a, a, a Bible student software, and it's free. Um, I say that because at General Conference, someone told me they just spent a lot of money. The Blue Letter Bible. Yeah. And there's something on the Blue Letter Bible where it talks about cross-references, and that's a concordance on steroids. And I can explain that to you at some point, but not right now. First Corinthians, or 2 Corinthians 13, verse 14. Here it speaks of, of the equality of the, of the Holy Spirit. It says, The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Amen. So there we see that all three members of the Godhead are listed together when, when a blessing is being given. It's not like just the Father and the Son, but... The Father, actually it starts with Christ, and then it talks about God, and then it goes to the Holy Ghost. It's interesting, if you read Ephesians 4, the first one listed is the Holy Spirit, then it speaks of Jesus, and then it speaks of the Father. And in Matthew 28, it's the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. So sometimes those names are given in a different order, but they all appear together. And if you look in, uh, in the New Testament, I, I, someone actually did some research on this, um, 
16 times Jesus is mentioned first when the three are listed together. The Holy Spirit is listed first nine times, and only six times is the Father listed first in the New Testament. Just an interesting perspective. It's not like in, in, in the New Testament, it's always Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. Sometimes it's, it's the Holy Ghost first, and then Jesus, then the Father, or vice versa. The point I'm trying to make is the New Testament looks at them as equal. Okay? Yes, sir. Ephesians 4, 4 to 6. It's not in the guide, unfortunately. That's why I, I share this with you. We can look it up. We don't want to take too much time here. Um, it says, There is one body and one spirit, just as you were called, one Lord, one faith, and then verse 6, one God and Father. So, so it... it Matthew 28, what? Matthew 28, you're also mentioned. Exactly. Matthew 28, right there. 19 on the screen. That's just a, 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 a proof of, of the equality. Uh, the Holy Spirit also has, is all-powerful. We mentioned that all-knowing has a will. It's sovereign. And so when it comes to gifts being poured out, welcome. You'll need this little booklet, sir. Um... The Spirit gives gifts as He wills, right? Look in your booklets now at line 95. For to one is given by the Spirit the word of wisdom, to another the word of knowledge, by the same Spirit to another faith, by the same Spirit to another the gift of healing, by the same Spirit. But all these worketh that one in the self-same Spirit, dividing to every man severally as He will. I'm at, at line 100 there. Now let's talk about the Holy Spirit. One, well, one more thing. Notice. Notice this quotation, we cannot render to God supreme love and honor if we do not recognize the Holy Spirit which the Lord sends. That's a quote from Ellen White. We cannot render to God supreme love and honor if we do not recognize the Holy Spirit which he sends. Okay, now let's, let's go to the next section, line 125, uh, 124, the Holy Spirit in the scriptures. First, the Holy Spirit was active in Old Testament times. Genesis 1, 2, the earth was without form and void, and darkness on the face of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. And we find mention of the Holy Spirit in a couple of places uh, in the um, regarding creation. But this is a mention, and when we look at the creation part of it, we'll talk a little bit in more detail. Okay, but there we see right at the beginning, in verse 2 of the book of Genesis, the Spirit is present in some form and active. Actually, I see a footnote that I wanted to read. Look at footnote number nine, because this is important. Footnote number nine, the bottom of page 12. The nature of the Holy Spirit is a mystery. Men cannot explain it because the Lord has not revealed it to them. You know, with every, every person that God had, there is a mystery that God has not revealed. Man having fanciful views may bring together passages of scriptures and put a human construction on them, but the acceptance of these views will not strengthen the church. Regarding such mysteries, which are too deep for human understanding, silence is golden. Okay? Now, there was a situation, and in my research, um, I discovered this, there was a man by the name of Chapman who was busy promulgating or sharing with others that the Holy Spirit wasn't really a person. And she wrote him, and she said, you've pulled together scriptures to suggest this, but she says, 
God hasn't shown you that. Okay, God hasn't shown you that. He, she, he, she said, you know, that's, that's not truth. She says, she says, God has not seen fit to show us everything. And we need to be careful not to string together things that God never intended to be used in a particular way. I can perhaps look for that quotation for you folks to be able to see. But we continue. So here are just some examples of where we see the Spirit, and there are many. Look at line 142, Exodus 35, 31. He has filled him with the Spirit of God in wisdom and understanding, in knowledge, and in all manner of workmanship. This is regarding Bezalel, the, um, the craftsman there in the wilderness. And it's interesting, this is a very important verse to remember later when we talk about the Spirit, because the same word for Spirit used in Genesis 1, 2, regarding the spirit being present is the same word used for spirit regarding Bezalel. Some people say, oh, that word just means a strong wind. But Bezalel had more than a strong wind working in his life. It was truly the Holy Spirit, okay? So that's a key verse when we're studying the Holy Spirit. Line 149, Numbers 11:25. Then the Lord came down in the cloud and spoke to him and took of the spirit that was upon him and placed the same upon the seventy elders, and it happened when the Spirit rested upon them that they prophesied, although they never did so again. Uh, it's interesting that the Spirit also sometimes manifests itself and then later doesn't anymore. Even Saul, at one moment in his uh, work as king, the Spirit came upon him as well. Line 163, and you'll notice some of these texts have a little asterisk. That's because they are more important for those that uh, might be studying to save them time. Numbers 27, 18, And the Lord said to Moses, Take Joshua the son of Nun with you, a man in whom is the Spirit, and lay your hand on him. Now, you'll notice something, by the way, that... Uh, when I'm going through the, the Old Testament here, I'm using the New King James Version because it actually capitalizes the word spirit. Okay? In the King James, it's all left the, the, the same pretty much. So it's easier to see here. We turn to the next page, line 177. But the Spirit of the Lord came upon Gideon, and then he blew the trumpet, etc. That's from Judges 6.34. Or Judges 14, 5 to 6, line 187. So Samson went down to Timnah with his father and mother and came to the vineyards of Timnah. Now to his surprise, a young lion came roaring against him, and the Spirit of the Lord came mightily upon him, etc. And then line 213. Then Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him, referring to David, in the midst of his brothers. And the Spirit of the Lord came upon David from that day forward. So Samuel arose and went to Ramah. 1 Samuel 16, 13. Look at line 293. Actually, the verse there. There shall come forth a rod from the stem of Jesse. Line 291. Isaiah 11, 1 to 3. There shall come forth a rod from the stem of Jesse, and a branch shall grow out of his roots. The Spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him, the spirit of wisdom and understanding, the spirit of counsel and might, the spirit of knowledge, and the fear of the Lord. In other words, the spirit of truth. His delight is in the fear of the Lord, and he shall not judge by the sight of his eyes, nor decide by the hearing of his ears. In Isaiah 32, 15, line 298, until the Spirit is poured upon us from on high and the wilderness becomes a fruitful field and the fruitful field is counted as a forest. 
Then Isaiah 42, 1, line 303, Behold my servant whom I upheld, my elect one in whom my soul delights. I have put my spirit upon him. He will bring forth justice to the Gentiles. Ezekiel, line 331, Ezekiel 2, 2, Then the spirit entered me when he spoke to me and set me on my feet, and I heard him who spoke to me. I'm sorry, I just go fast, don't I? Did it help if you give the number? You know, like sometimes you jump to the number and then to the... I'm sorry. Well, so what number? 336. Go to line 336. The reason I say the verse is because for people listening, they won't necessarily have it. So I need to do both if I remember. 336, Ezekiel 314. So the Spirit lifted me up and took me away, and I went in bitterness, etc. In the New Testament, do we have the Spirit doing that to anyone there? Yes. Yeah, Philip, he's there, and then the Spirit whisks him away somewhere else. So the Spirit was acting similar. And then in uh, Daniel 5, 11, line 381, There is a man in your kingdom in whom is the Spirit of the Holy God, and in the days of your father light and understanding and wisdom, like the wisdom of the gods were found in him. And King Nebuchadnezzar, your father, your father the king, made him chief of the magicians, the astrologers, the Chaldeans, and the soothsayers. Daniel was known as a man who was filled with the Spirit. Line 387, Joel 2, 28-29, And it shall come to pass afterwards that I will pour out my Spirit on all flesh, etc. And finally, line 404, line 404, Zechariah 4, verse 6, line 404, So he answered and said to me, This is the word of the Lord to Zerubbabel, not by might nor by power, but by what? But my spirit, says the Lord of hosts. Was the spirit active in the Old Testament? Yes. Very active. Very, very active. And I wanted just to share one other uh, quote with you. And that regarding the, 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 the activity of the Holy Spirit, this is actually preexistence. It says, The Godhead was stirred with pity for the race, and the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit gave themselves to the working out of the plan of redemption. And then it goes on. And so, the working out of the plan of redemption uh, was the work of all three that gave themselves to the working out. She then talks about, about the Holy Spirit involved early on about three or four times with, this, with the plan of redemption. Okay, now that's the section on the Holy Spirit in the Old Testament. I think we've made a case there, haven't we? Now let's look at the Holy Spirit in the life of Christ. And we'll start with uh, line uh, 415, Luke 1, 34 and 35. Then said Mary to the angel, How shall this be, seeing I know not a man? And the angel answered and said unto her, The Holy Ghost shall come upon thee, and the power of the High shall overshadow thee, etc. Okay, the angel said, The Holy Spirit will come, and there shall be born of thee, that holy thing, which is called the Son of God. I'm doing a paraphrase there of the last part. That's because my words were, my mouth was going faster than what I was reading. Uh, line 420, Matthew 1.18. Now the birth of Jesus Christ was on this wise, when as his mother Mary was espoused to Joseph, before they came together, she was found with child of the what? Of the Holy Ghost. And then a relative. John the Baptist's father, Zacharias, Luke 167, right below that, was filled with the Holy Ghost and prophesied. Um, and then 
Just one more there, 425, Luke 1, 41. And it came to pass that when Elizabeth heard the salutation of Mary, the babe leaped in her womb, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Ghost. We would agree that the Holy Spirit was very involved at the time of Christ's birth. But notice what else happens. Mark 1.10. So Jesus goes to be, well, let's start with, with 4.35. I indeed baptize you with water under repentance, but he that cometh after me is mightier than I, whose shoes I am not worthy to bear. He shall baptize you with the Holy Ghost and with fire. And then line 439, Mark 1.10. And straightway coming out of the water, he saw the heavens open and the Spirit like a dove descending upon him. We would all agree that the Spirit continues to be involved in the life of Christ. This is one I like really well. 446, Matthew 4, 1, line 446. Then was Jesus led up by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted of the devil. So the Spirit not only was present in his baptism, but it's the Spirit that led Jesus into the wilderness to be tempted. It doesn't seem like the Holy Spirit would do something like that, but actually temptation causes us to be stronger, and God never leads us into anything that he does not give the grace to overcome as well. Now, I want to read a quotation uh, to you. Line uh, at the bottom of 20, footnote number 13, the same Holy Spirit that abode in Christ when he imparted to them the instructions he was constantly receiving was to be the source of their intelligence and the secret of their power in doing the very same work that Christ himself had done. But she says, the same Holy Spirit, he was constantly receiving from that Spirit. So we see there's this constant presence. Uh, we continue. Luke 4, 18-19, speaking of this, what I was just referring to, the Spirit of the Lord, line 460, Luke 4, 18-19, the line number is on the, on the left, the little booklet. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he hath anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He hath sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to preach deliverance to the captives, etc. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. Jesus made claims to the Holy Spirit being upon his life uh, from the very beginning of his ministry. Uh, and then it, then it uh, quotes Isaiah. Line 469, Behold my servant whom I have chosen, my beloved in whom my soul is well pleased. I will put my spirit upon him. So this is a description of what was going on. Can we agree that the Holy Spirit is very active in the life of Christ? Totally active. So now we've seen he was very busy through the Old Testament, very busy in the New Testament. Um... What did Christ teach regarding the Holy Spirit? Line 475 and onward. 476. Christ described the Holy Spirit as a distinct and independent person in John 14 to 16. Now, we don't have the time to read all of that, so I've chosen some verses. And the thing I want you to notice is how often it uses the word he, which is a bit of an anomaly in the Greek grammar in that uh, it's using the the masculine gender in something that should have been, I think, in the, the neutral gender, okay? Anyway, or something to that degree. I don't claim to be a Greek scholar, but I know that that's an anomaly there, that the word he appears, and that comes from the original of the Greek. John 14, 16, And I will pray the Father, and he shall give you what? Another comforter. 
So Jesus said he's going to send someone who's going to function the way that I did. Line 484, John 14, 17, even the spirit of truth. Okay, so he's going to be the truth-giving one. Line 47, John 14, 26, but the Comforter, which is the Holy Ghost, now he's been identified, whom the Father will send in my name, he shall teach you all things and bring all things to your remembrance whatsoever I have said unto you. So now this other Comforter, Jesus has identified as the Holy Ghost. And then John 16, 7, line 493, Nevertheless, I tell you the truth, it is expedient for you that I go away. For if I go not away, the Comforter will not come unto you. But if I depart, I will send him unto you. So Jesus says, it is necessary that I leave, because if I don't leave, he can't come. That's a very, very important point, because the Holy Spirit came as a successor to Christ. Now, if... If you leave your church in Virginia, I think you're over there, right? They're going to find a successor pastor, right? He's going to be the pastor that comes and takes Christian's place. And so when Jesus said, you know, it's expedient that I go because he can come, it was like the Spirit could not come until um, he had left. Let's continue at the top of the page. Um, actually... Line 496, John 16, 8, And when he has come, he will reprove the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment. So he would have a particular role of a convicting work. Line 498, John 16, 13, Howbeit when the Spirit of truth has come, he will guide you into all truth, for he shall not speak of himself, but whatsoever he shall hear, that shall he speak, and he will show you things to come. It says he will not speak of himself, therefore we don't find a lot of statements about the Spirit. Because he was commissioned to speak about Christ, not about himself. Okay, we should not be surprised that, that the Spirit doesn't say, I'd like you, Paul, to, to write about you know, who I am and all the things that I do. That wasn't his job. 502, and he shall glorify me, John 16, 14, for he shall receive of mine and shall show it unto you. He shall glorify me. Jesus was speaking. Now notice footnote number 14 at the bottom of page 22. The Holy Spirit has a personality, else he could not bear witness to our spirits and with our spirits that we are the children of God. In other words, he's someone who can think and respond, those kinds of things. He can bear witness to us. But he must also be a divine person, else he could not search out the secrets which lie hidden in the mind of God. In other words, he can relate to humans, but he's also part of the Godhead, so he can tell us what is in the mind of God. And then, there are three living persons in the heavenly trio. We've already read that. Three living persons in the heavenly trio. In the name of these three great powers, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, etc. So, Jesus was speaking of a distinct person that would be coming to take his place. Yes, sister. As a she? Yes. I'm not aware of that. <laughs> well, please show it to me. Please show it to me. I'm not, and I don't want to, to sound negative by the way I responded. I've just never seen that. So, so bring it to me, please. Anyway, so there were Christ's teachings regarding the Holy Spirit. You know, the Holy Spirit is neither he or she. It's, it's something that we don't really understand. Is that fair to say? It's a person, but... But it's, it's not referred, although he's given a, a masculine, but, 
the Holy Spirit, I don't know, he's everywhere at the same time. He's, he's, it's part of the mystery in my mind. Okay, any questions on Christ's teachings regarding the Holy Spirit? Comments, yes. Okay, so Jesus was helped by the Holy Spirit. Yeah. But yet he says that I will send the Holy Spirit to you. I will send the comfort to you when I leave. Yeah. But the Holy Spirit was with Jesus on the earth, wasn't he, when Jesus was here? He was, and he was there with the, with the disciples as well. But Ellen White explains that until Jesus left, they would not appreciate the role of the Holy Spirit. Oh. Okay, so it was more... In his absence, which was crushing to them at the thought of his leaving, suddenly they were told, you don't need to worry. In fact, he says it's expedient because it will, and I'm adding some words, it's even better for you that I be gone because he can be closer to you than I am. Okay? Yeah, I think in this, the Holy Spirit is a greater manifestation because Exactly. Yeah, and the Holy Spirit's role was to as we read, make real everything that, that, that Christ had won on the cross. Yes, brother. Some have argued to get rid of the third person of the Holy Spirit. They'll say, oh, look, it's the Spirit of Christ. Yeah. The writings of Paul on that. Yeah. To say, the Spirit of Christ is coming upon you and things like that. Yeah. And just to say, but all these other texts that you just clearly delineated from the scriptures it's, are added in other. It is so clear you cannot argue with it, I don't think, personally. I mean, because if the Holy Spirit is promoting Christ so much, you say uh, it is a kind of spirit of Christ. He's well, the, and the, it's referred to as the spirit of the Father as well. Yeah. You know, the, the spirit basically is a great example to us about how, how we should be so transparent in terms of who we are as we try to, to, to represent Jesus. You know, if, if you're going around and saying, let me tell you for, for, for the next hour about myself and we'll spend two minutes on, 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 on Jesus, there's something terribly wrong. And the Holy Spirit gives us a good example. And he was just doing what Jesus was doing. He, he, he was trying to represent his Father as well. Let's go to the next section. Jesus made abundant promises regarding the gift of the Holy Spirit. Line 506. Luke eleven thirteen. If you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts unto your children, how much more shall your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to them that ask him? Okay? The Holy Spirit was promised. Then 5.11, He that believeth on me, as the scripture has said, out of his belly, this is John 7, by the way, 37 to 39, I'm starting at verse 38. He that believeth on me, as the scripture hath said, out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water, but this spake he of the Spirit. Okay? Jesus clearly said, I'm talking about the Holy Spirit. And then Luke adds, or John adds, for the Holy Ghost was not yet given because that Jesus was not yet glorified. And then Luke 24, they were told, Behold, I send the promise of my Father upon you, but tarry ye in the city of Jerusalem until ye be endued with power from on high. Jesus was referring there to the Holy Spirit. And then Acts 1, you know, they were once again commanded to wait. Um, line 521, but ye shall be baptized with the Holy Ghost not many days hence. We don't need to go further. And then receiving the Holy Spirit would be life-changing and would greatly advance Christ's kingdom. John 3, 6, line 532, that which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Marvel not that I said unto thee, ye must be born again, the wind bloweth where it listeth, and thou hearest the sound thereof, but canst not tell whence it cometh, and whither it goeth, so is everyone that is born of the 
Spirit. The Spirit is the one that brings about our conversion. John 6.63, line 540. It is the Spirit who gives life. The flesh profits nothing. The words that I speak to you are Spirit, and they are life. Now, on the Holy Spirit as Christ's successor. We already read about this. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth, it is expedient for you that I go away, for if I go not away, the comfort will not come to you. Look at the footnote at the bottom of 24, footnote 16. He promised to send them his spirit as his successor. When Christ ascended to heaven, the Holy Spirit took his place and was a perfect representation of him. That's from letter 126, 1898. Before that was Manuscript 114, 1904. Now, from Manuscript 78, 1897, wherever we are, wherever we may go, he is always there, one given in Christ's place to act in his stead. What does that say? To act in his place, act in his stead. In other words, where Christ was working before, now the Holy Spirit's going to work. Is that clear? To me, I find great confirmation for the work of the Holy Spirit as a person in that it says he's there, doing Christ's work, taking Christ's place. You know, had it only been just Christ's spirit, Christ wouldn't have really needed to go because it was there all along. And so we get this sense of, of, of something changing. I think that people say when Christ is a person, when the Holy Spirit is a person, how can the Holy Spirit, in every of us, we cannot understand it. So from that way, I think they more conclude it is a force or something. And, and they're not all wrong about that because I don't look in myself and see another physical being, but somehow he's able to be in me but function as a person too. It's a mystery. It's a mystery. Now, the Holy Spirit would be functioning as Christ's representative. John fifteen twenty six. But when the Comforter has come, whom I will send unto you from the Father, the Spirit of truth, he shall testify of me. Let's look at the footnote, 17. Cumbered with humanity, Christ could not be in every place personally. Okay, Christ took upon himself human nature and the human body. Therefore, it was for their interest that he should go to the Father and send the Spirit to be his successor on earth. What is his successor? It's the one that takes the place. By the Spirit, the Savior would be accessible to all. In this sense, he would be nearer to them than if he had not ascended on high. Desire of Ages 669, paragraph 2. Now, Jesus is present in the person of his representative, the Holy Spirit. Review and Herald, October 8, 1908. And finally, the Lord Jesus acts through the Holy Spirit, for it is his representative. Through it, he infuses spiritual life into the soul. <coughs> and I like to use the idea that, that Christ is present through the instrumentality of the Holy Spirit. Not that we speak of Christ dwelling in our hearts, but actually it's Christ dwelling in our hearts through the Holy Spirit. I believe that's as I understand it. How are we doing? Are we still seeing the Holy Spirit as a separate person? We're not seeing anything really to go against that, have we? It's, it seems very strong. Yes, sir. Just, just real quick, with the quote you just read, some will take uh, that word it there and say, oh, I'll see, it's not a person. Oh, where it says it? Sure. And, you know, in Ellen Wright's writings, you have to be very careful. Because in the same paragraph, she'll say it, 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 and then he, he, he. And sometimes in one paragraph, the, the, the word will be capitalized. Another one, it won't be. And sometimes it was a publication thing. Like in the Review and Herald, apparently for a while they were not capitalizing the, 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 those names. 
And so it's very consistent, but the same article elsewhere has it all capitalized. So, so we need to be very careful. Yes? We found in your studies, looking through this topic, I was under the impression that uh, James White struggled with the Holy Spirit concept quite a bit, and Ellen White did not speak too much to the topic until later when he was... You know, they all came out of the Christian connection, and the Christian connection was Arian. Okay, and so they all had to grow out of that. But I think you'll find that Ellen White was always consistent. She never, ever... She never spoke against it, but she never spoke. Yeah, she she didn't speak about it till later, but I believe she... They were doing other things at the time, and that wasn't really an issue. It's surprising what Ellen White doesn't speak to at times, because she's waiting on God's leading. You know, sometimes she's writing something, and will make a statement like, I really don't know about this, but I was told, and so she's writing it out. The hands are coming, yes. To me, it's so wonderful. In a pandemic, it isolates people and they already have trouble feeling alone. Yeah. There's no reason to feel alone when you're Praise the Lord. Did you all hear? She said, in a pandemic, we were all isolated, but there's no reason to feel alone because of the presence of the Holy Spirit. And I was told, repeat the question, so I'm not doing a good job. Forgive me. Thank you for sharing that. Yes. I wanted to ask a question from day one, and you led into that. You know, that uh, Joseph Bates... Sure. James White, many of the early pioneers, even Uriah Smith, and then, uh, you know, they were um, hearing, you know, I come from the evangelical background, that's how you tested a cult, yeah. believe Jesus God, but anyway, since I came into the Adventist Church, I learned that, I mean, that was kind of a shock to me, you know, like, yeah, but, but anyways, but my question though is, if they believed that, all that time, and Illinois didn't make a big deal out of it, so in the Adventist Church, I hear that all this stuff in the front, Labeling these people that don't believe that as heretics. So that's my question. Yeah, okay. Well, let me me respond more to that. If you read what I think Joseph Bates wrote or or James White wrote, he said, he talks about how they understood the Trinity, which was sometimes it's the Father manifesting himself as the Son, sometimes the Father manifesting himself as the Holy Spirit. And he said, you know, we, we can't accept that. And we don't either. We would have been just like them had that been the belief that was prevailing, okay? And so when we talk about our early pioneers, we have to first ask, what did they understand that they were opposed to, okay? But my question, though, is how come today now, you know, if Illinois was around and these people believed that, even their own husband, you don't hear all this controversy in the 1800s, but today okay. I hear from all Let me... over the pulpit, you know, talking about sure. people that believe in the Trinity is like some type of heretics. Okay, let me, ex- let, me ex- let me ask you a question. Yeah. They also ate pork and kept Sunday. For, I know. I and, and, they were, and they were not thrown out of the church for that for a while because, because light is progressive and as light comes, you're held to a higher standard. And so eventually, God made it clear. And as we studied in the one day in class when she wrote Desire of Ages and they saw a life original, unborrowed, underived, mm-hmm. and Mel Andreasen says, we've all been wrong. And he says, we need to change, and he changed. And so those that are saying we can't change, the light has moved on. We have better light than we had before, and those that are clinging to the past are not clinging to error. It was pointed out as error. No, it still doesn't make sense to you. That's okay. Yeah. You talk to the Lord about yeah, that it. Was a yes, sir. When light is presented and we refuse it, we, re- we reject refuse it. the leading of the Lord. Yeah. Yeah. And that's where they become heretics. Yeah. Because they're refusing God's leading. Yeah. What what I am I don't even like the word heretic. There's a lot of innocent people 
who haven't studied for themselves. That's part of the reason why I did the study I did, because people need to know what the Bible teaches and what the Spirit of Prophecy teaches. And I found that many who actually go to the trouble to study realize, I've been mistaken, okay? There's some that make a stand and say, I refuse to accept that, okay? That's why we have to call on yeah, because yeah. there are many honest people. And but I'm not here to throw stones at anyone, and I don't like to even use the word heretic. It's not for me to judge. There may be people that we're surprised to see in heaven, and we may be outside the door. You know, so we need to be very careful. But the point is, is are we faithful to the light that God has given us? And if God has given other truth, what are we doing, you know, to try and, 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 and carefully study it, not just study what we want to, to, to believe, okay? You know, it's, 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 there's a lot of mystery in this, and, and I think we need to be very careful. And I gave you a pretty quick answer, but, but they did. They, there was a lot of error, and God didn't hold it against them. Look at all the people, the hundreds of years where there was no Sabbath. You know, it's, it's, it's not that God accepts unbelief, but he gives truth, and we're to be faithful to the truth that was given at our time. And so our church gained the truth, and we were to grow with the truth and accept the truth. That's my perspective. Yes, sister. Just, beh just behind you, let me. I think it's important to remember that there will be many people in heaven who have never heard. Absolutely, absolutely. In fact, she makes a statement, I could show it to you, where she says there are some Catholics more faithful to truth than Adventists, and she says we are not to make raids on the Catholics. Did you know that? She says that we, we should not be acting like there are these horrible people. She says there are many that are very sincere, and they're more faithful to the, the, you know, some of their truth than we are to what we know, and God will hold them accountable for the truth they knew, and they'll hold us accountable to the truth that we knew. Yes, no, right here and then to the back. Yes, sir. Paul says in times of ignorance, God winks at. Yeah. God calls, but now God calls all men everywhere to repent. Exactly. So we need to move with the progression. Of truth. Yeah. And you know, present truth changed. When I say present truth changed, it did not mean the truth changed, but what God used as a guiding mark. So when Christ came, the truth that they were testing was, did they accept Jesus as the Savior? You know, and then later... It had to do with other things, and in our day, the Sabbath has become the great testing truth. Okay? In the back row. Yeah, I was just going to say, personally, my experience has been progressive. Yeah. You know, as I've learned things through scriptures and through God's Word, my life has changed progressively. Yeah. Uh, some of those changes are quick, some of them take a little more time, but it is a progressive experience, yeah. just like our church was. Right? Yeah. You know, going back to, uh, to the pioneers you mentioned, like Joseph Bates, you know, he was, uh, he had the health message way ahead of everyone else, way ahead, although he struggled with Ellen White as a prophet. And so he was very advanced in some areas and not so advanced, but, but he wanted the truth and he kept, and he was willing to change his life for the truth. And if we were as surrendered as they were to advancing the truth, I think there'd be a whole lot more unity in every area in our church. Okay. And God sends a test to all of us. Yes, sister. Now, I think God did, in the beginning, when the Adventist movement was going on, God didn't give them the whole truth all at once, no. the same like the reformer. It went step by step. And I don't see why they should go backwards. Yeah, yeah. What they once believed, and God gave them the whole truth. Yeah. Afterwards, why do people 
people want to dig that up and present it as a new truth. I don't understand it. We yeah. Well, we don't want to spend all of our time in the class discussing that. We're trying hard to forge ahead with truth, but I'm willing to take a, a question just to, to not ignore, you know, where your questions answer, there's no one left struggling with what they've just heard. And so please visit with me afterwards. But the more I've studied, and I've studied a lot, the more convinced I am that what we believe is truly in the Bible and the spirit of prophecy. Okay, we continue. We only have just a few moments left. Um, line 572, believers were to be baptized in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. So when there were baptisms, you know, there was, there was to be this recognition of the three members of the Godhead. Now, I talked about the fact that the Holy Spirit has interchangeable names. So amongst these, line 578 are Holy Spirit, Holy Ghost, the Spirit of Christ, the Spirit of the Lord, the Spirit of God, the Divine Spirit, and His Spirit. Now, if you look at the footnote at 20, scriptures paired with quotations demonstrating the interchangeability of the titles of the Holy Spirit follow. 1 Peter 1.11, searching what or what manner of time, notice, the Spirit of Christ, who was in them, was indicating. Okay? And then, a little later, the Holy Spirit is the Spirit of Christ. Emphasis added, it is his representative. So she says, the spirit of truth, or the Holy Spirit, is the spirit of Christ. So there you have, within the same paragraph, you see the synonym of the spirit of Christ and the Holy Spirit. We go to the next one. Luke 2.25, and the Holy Ghost, emphasis added, was upon him, speaking of Simeon, the secret of Simeon's life was the spirit of the Lord was upon him. He was under the influence of the Holy Spirit. So notice, now we see the Spirit of the Lord is also called the Holy Spirit. The next one, 1 Corinthians 2.14, But the natural man receiveth not the things of the Spirit of God, emphasis added, for they are foolishness unto him. Without the Spirit of God, a knowledge of his word is of no avail. The theory of truth unaccompanied by what? The Holy Spirit cannot quicken the soul or sanctify the heart. Christ's Object Lessons, 408. And finally, Ephesians 3, strengthened with might through His Spirit. And I, and I am the one that does the italics. Go to the bottom of 26, in the inner man. And then we quote Ellen White, sin could be resisted and overcome only through the mighty agency of the third person of the Godhead, who would come with no modified energy, but in the fullness of divine power, through the Spirit. Notice that. So the third person of the Godhead is referred to as the Spirit. The believer becomes a partaker of the divine nature. Christ is given His Spirit. Now we've added the fact that this is Christ's Spirit as a divine power to overcome all hereditary and cultivated tendencies to evil and to impress His own character upon the church. You see how in those paragraphs you see that, that one word is, is, is given a, a definition by another word. And these are all words that people argue over, but if you see these, these, these paragraphs, what I just read you, you see that here's the spirit of truth, it's the Holy Spirit. The Spirit, Christ Spirit, whatever, they're all interchangeable. And so we must not get hung up on this refers to this versus that referring to that. You know, it's an artificial construct. She, she makes clear in her writings that, that they all mean the same thing. Is that helpful to you? I think it really was. It really helped me when I found that. Brother in the back. With the name of God, we have interchangeable terms as well. You say God, you say His name, His character, uh, His nature. These are all interchangeable terms. Yes. Like you're using for the exactly. Exactly. 
But this is the kind of thing, if you don't know it, you can get tripped up easily, okay? And uh, so, uh, now, it's 10.30, so we better stop right there. So we'll have a little bit more to do tomorrow, and then a whole lot more in the Blue Book, too. Uh, but we don't have that much more to do, uh, but there's still more, so... But this is important, right? I appreciate all of you coming. If you're new, I have more booklets for you from the, the first days. There's actually three booklets before this one. There'll be one more tomorrow yet. And if you have any further questions, feel free to ask me. And if necessary, we can save it for the rest of the class. Let's have a word of prayer as we close. And for those that might be listening online, we're following some booklets that can be downloaded from my website, discipleheart.com. Father in heaven, it's with fear and trembling in many ways that I even open up this subject because there is so much misunderstanding. And people have come and, and, and spent a lot of time researching and writing, trying to show all the different reasons why there really isn't a Godhead of three living persons. And who am I? But Lord, it's in the Bible, and all we're trying to find is, is what's in the Bible, and we've added a few quotations of Mrs. White. So thank you for what we've found in her writings. Bless us, Lord, tomorrow. Oh, we're going to have to work fast and hard tomorrow, but you can help us. And thank you. Thank you so much for being with us today. Bless each person here. And Father, for those who are struggling, I pray that they can learn from from us, from my friends here, from me. They can find it on the internet, whatever the case might be. That we might come into the unity of the faith because it's going to be the great outpouring of the Holy Spirit, a living persons working through living human beings that will bring the work to a close. Might we be a part of the solution and be a part of that number someday. In Jesus' name, amen. To listen to more of these presentations, you may visit the audio archives at misda.org slash audio 22 or search for Michigan Conference Camp Meeting wherever you get your podcasts.